Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good morning and welcome to episode 80 of the Jaguar Report podcast. I am your host, John Shipley, and I am taking the good morning honors from my co-host, Gus Logue, who is traveling for the holidays today. So this is going to be your guys' favorite a solo episode from myself. Obviously, the big story this week, Trevor Lawrence. But, you know, just it's kind of setting the stage for the game. When you're sitting in the position the Jaguars are in right now in week 16, eight and six, you know, tied with the Colts and the Houston Texans, Three games left in the season. All the Jaguars have to do is win out, which is obviously much easier said than done, you know, especially when they're in the midst of a three-game winning, you know, losing streak. My apologies. The second-worst losing streak of the Doug Peterson era. So they're sitting at eight and six. Every game is really a must-win game. They're heading to play a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team on Christmas Eve that – you know, it's on their own three-game winning streak. Now, some of those wins have came against teams that, you know, are, aren't are exactly real in a sense. Uh, the Carolina Panthers being one of them. They also beat the Atlanta Falcons, who just lost to a Panthers team that didn't even score a touchdown. And then last week they had an upset win over a Packers team that uh, maybe it shouldn't have even really been an upset anyways. But regardless, the Jaguars visiting the Panthers on Sunday – and the big storyline, of course, this weekend, the entire reason that episode 80, which, you know, wow, look at us, you know, <laughs> couldn't couldn't imagine we'd ever would have hit eight episodes, let alone 80. But the big storyline throughout this entire week and the reason this episode is coming out so much later in the day as opposed to the Friday morning as we usually shoot for is the status of quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Now, Lawrence has been, you know, really an Iron Man you know, starter throughout his NFL career. He's tied for the second longest active uh, start streak in the NFL. I want to say, I don't even think it's Mahomes. I, I I should know. I'll have to go back and see who has a longer active start streak than him. But he's been one of the most durable quarterbacks in the NFL since he was the first overall pick. You know, 18 different teams alone this year have started two quarterbacks. You know, C.J. Beathard has obviously gotten some time in a few different games, most notably the Cincinnati Bengals game when Lawrence had an ankle injury. But, you know, to date, since Lawrence was drafted, he's the only quarterback who has started a game for the Jaguars, which, you know, considering the lack of consistent starts for guys like Zach Wilson, uh, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, obviously, et cetera, that really kind of sets him apart from the other quarterbacks in that draft class, that he's always been there. He's always been available. But we talked earlier this week how this is a different injury than anything Lawrence has faced to this point. You know, this isn't, uh, you know, an act of toughness, trying to fight it through a high ankle sprain or a MCL sprain or anything else, you know, a knee injury that he faced earlier this year, et cetera. This is the concussion protocol, and it's very specific – you have to be cleared by independent, you know, doctors, the NFL itself. I've seen people say today, you know, why would Doug Peterson consider putting Trevor Lawrence, you know, 
in you know in that position. And it's not up to Doug Peterson whether Trevor Lawrence clears the concussion protocol or not. He really you know has you know no real control over it whatsoever. So Trevor Lawrence has been a concussion protocol all week. You know since self-reporting symptoms after the Jaguars' twenty-three to seven loss to the Baltimore Ravens last week. The Jaguars have said a few different times, you know, Doug Peterson has said a few different times that he believes that the hit came, you know, the concussion came on his late uh, fourth quarter scramble. We kind of caught a forearm from Roquan Smith. He went, I believe, one for seven, one for eight passing after that. Obviously, just didn't look right. The week started off, you know, this week with obviously the odds looking stacked against uh, – Lawrence starting, you know, you saw him miss Wednesday's practice, though Doug Peterson said he was progressing well. C.J. Beathard said that he was in the building, which is significant because, you know, C.J. Stroud wasn't in the building for the Texans, you know, at all last week while he's dealing with his concussion protocol. Then you move to Thursday, and he's still, you know, not fully progressed enough through the protocol to the point where he's practicing. He was a DNP for the second day in a row. As a result, you know, you saw a report from Ian Rapport, which I didn't really read it as much of a or listen to it as much of a report as him saying, like, you know, most guys don't miss practice on Wednesday and Thursday when the protocol end up playing. And that's probably true. The only guy I can think of who has done it this year, the only guy I've been able to find who has done that, Cleveland Browns wide receiver, Mark Cooper, who, of course, (laughs) did that against the Jaguars just a few weeks ago. Made some really big plays that game, obviously. He got his concussion on Sunday in a game against the Rams in week 13. Didn't practice Wednesday. Didn't practice Thursday. And then was limited on Friday and cleared the protocol on Saturday. And, you know, right now, that would be the same track that Lawrence would follow. You know, he was limited in practice today. So, you know, we can only see, like, 15 minutes of Friday practice for a live media viewing session. All that is is stretching and then the start of like individual drills for quarterbacks and some other positions. So, you know, I, I, I couldn't tell you that what Lawrence did fully at practice. I can only tell you what I saw, but he, you know, took his usual spot, number one in the quarterback pecking order, you know, number one, you know, ahead of CJ Beathard, EJ Perry, Brendan McManus, who <laughs> weirdly on Friday does uh, those drills with the quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence, you know, took his usual number one spot. He didn't look like he was doing anything differently to me. You know, it, it didn't look any different than the Friday before he practiced against uh, the Cleveland Browns. You know, it, it looked like normal Trevor Lawrence to me, which I personally, I'm not sure how much stock to put into that because the concussion protocol is very much, you know, buttoned up, you know, by the exact number, you know, do things exactly as it says. You don't see many teams. I know, obviously, there was some criticism of the concussion process last year with Tua, et cetera, but just the protocol itself. You know, the, the AFL plays it very close to the chest. You know, they more or less, you know, they know what the exact rules and steps are, especially more so than, you know, the public and, you know, especially, you know, the media because you can tell – the Jaguars media has looked up more about concussion protocol this week than they probably ever will. And it makes sense why, obviously, you know, the biggest player in the franchise, really the biggest part of, you know, the season right now, considering they're sitting at 86 is dealing with it. So that's where you're at right now. Doug Peterson was asked if it was a coin flip or whether or not he'd play. And P 
people seem stuck on one part of it. He said he thinks it's better than a coin flip, the chance of him playing. But he didn't quickly. It was like the two things can't even be compared because it's not a it's not a percentage thing. It's can he or can't he? And we'll know by it seems like sometime tomorrow when it, that's when these other teams have been clearing guys. That's when the 49ers officially cleared Brock Purdy. That's when Amari Cooper officially got cleared. You know, so Saturday is the day that it seems like, you know, we will really know whether Lawrence will go or not. My official guess after today, and this is just based on seeing him practice, you know, and knowing what Amari Cooper did when he went DNP, DNP, and then limited. I kind of think he plays. <laughs> I honestly do. And I'm, I'm not ever, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to debate the merits on should he, shouldn't he, et cetera, et cetera, because – no, this is trainers and specialists, you know, everybody of the like would clearly know much more than anybody. You know, I mean, they're the ones dealing with him every day, seeing how he's doing. So, but if he can play, you know, if he's able for a third time this year, you know, seem, seemingly, you know, come back from chance like it seems like every time he's been injured the odds of him starting the next game seem slimmer and slimmer and if he's able to do it again i'm not gonna you know be hyperbolic and you know say anything about toughness or anything like that because this truly is a you know big deal medically but it, it would just show you that there's not many things that can keep lawrence you know out of starting for the jaguars on saturday and that on sundays i mean and that to me is why it, the the season especially has shown me just how important everybody knows how important Lawrence is to the Jaguars as a franchise. Like they're not getting this new stadium without Trevor Lawrence being on the roster. You know, the stadium that they're hoping they get. You know, they he has stabilized things so much just from that perspective. But to me, the big thing that we've seen this year is just how much of their success is put on Lawrence's shoulders. I'm not sure. Say put it, an average quarterback, not not Kenny Pickett, <laughs> somebody better than Kenny Pickett, obviously. You know, maybe like I don't know Ryan Tannehill. I think this is a five six win team. I think Lawrence makes that much of a difference for them. You know, just personally, I mean they're near last, if not last, and pretty much every stat that is out metric that is out of the quarterback's control. You know, drops. Fumbles. The running game is, you know, bottom four in EPA per play and success rate. Uh, you know, just everything you look at that is purely out of his control. He has no factor on it. They're one of, you know, the worst teams, just in individual factors that don't include the quarterback. I truly believe that, yeah, you know, his season, would you call it disappointing? Yeah. I mean, people were I'm pretty sure I did saying he could win an MVP this year. So, yeah, call it disappointing because. That's what it should be. It should be disappointing because this has been, you know, the fact that they're in week 16 and then win or die games in the second year in the Peterson era after starting six and two, after starting eight and three is disappointing and it should feel disappointing. I just disagree with a lot of people on why it's happened. And I really think that with him, you know, I'm sure there's other, you know, quarterbacks where that much is being put on their shoulders to cover the warts of, you know, the team in general and just 
basically being asked to maximize the team's potential and be a floor raiser and a ceiling raiser on every single play, it's a tough situation to be in. And third-year quarterback, 24, 25 years old, it's understandable if, in my opinion, that bell hasn't been answered every week because it's a big ask. It is. But it shows you how big the, it would be if he's able to play this Sunday because you know, no disrespect to C.J. Beathard. I thought he played well against the Bengals when he came in for spot duty. I mean, they, if Brandon McManus doesn't miss a kick, then C.J. Beathard gets a game-winning drive under his belt. If, you know, Anton Harrison doesn't get hit for holding – CJ Beathard might have a game-winning drive under his belt. So, you know, I, I thought Beathard played well. I think if the Jaguars were healthy, if they had Christian Kirk, if they had Zay Jones, and they had everything at their disposal, I think that Beathard would probably do, you know, solid. But the thing is, they don't have that. You know, they have a relatively healthy-ish offensive line. Ezra Cleveland will be available. Walker Little will be available. They'll obviously be missing Cam Robinson. But they'll have – you know, most of their starting key pieces out there. But Zay Jones is questionable. He was limited today after not practicing on Wednesday and Thursday. I, I personally don't think he's going to play. He's been called week to week all week. And <laughs> one week players who are even questionable that week are called day to day by Doug Peterson. So I'm just of the belief that, you know, that's not exactly what you're going, you know, to see. And then you look across, you know, the rest of the offense. If you're missing Zay Jones, you're already missing Christian Kirk. You know, they, Doug Peterson seemed optimistic that they'd get Brendan Strange back. He hasn't impacted the passing game much. But, I mean, you're looking at a very real scenario of the starting pass wide receivers being Calvin Ridley, Parker Washington, and Jamal Agnew. And then you have Tim Jones and Elijah Cooks as backups. That's just not, you know, and, and then add in the offensive line and some of the issues it's faced and their lack of a running game. And it's just there'd be so many factors, in my opinion, going up against a backup quarterback, even one that I mostly respect, you know, in terms of what they can do, like C.J. Beathard. Just so many factors going against. I don't think it'd be a winnable situation. But if you have Lawrence in there and Lawrence is playing, you know, like typical Lawrence, I, I think, I, I, I don't know, call me a home, like, you know, wh- whatever you want, you know, call me somebody who makes excuses for Lawrence, et cetera. This is just from my objective, what I've witnessed on the field over the last three seasons. I think he's been the best player in offense three years in a row. I think that's continued this year. I know not everybody will agree with that, but having that guy on the field matters. It matters more for them than I think it does for most teams. And that's why, you know, his status is as big as it is this week. So, you know, if he can play, it obviously becomes a different game. The the I, I think that Ridley, Ingram, Agnew to an extent, and Parker Washington could be enough for Lawrence in the passing game against what's been, you know, a bad passing defense this year. You know, that everybody obviously remembers the, you know, performances that – Teams have had, you know, against them earlier in the year. You know, Josh Allen obviously had a big game. Uh, we saw what C.J. Stroud did to them earlier in the year. But, you know, just in terms of the passing game, right now Tampa is 25th in dropback EPA per play, and they are only 18th in dropback success rate. So this isn't exactly a daunting pass defense, but they're the originators of really the Jaguars' entire defensive, you know, philosophy. So they're going to stack the box. 
a lot of five-man fronts. They are going to try to shut down a running game, which to me, you know, the, the Jaguars are already struggling to run the ball, you know, to, to begin with. You know, it, it's hard for me to, you know, really think that matters, you know, that much. Right now, they're against the run, they're sixth in EPA per play, and but they're 31st in success rate. So they're limiting explosive plays, but teams are getting – you know, a little short chunk yardage runs against them. I just, I'm not sure how much it matters for the Jaguars that they won't be able to run the ball because they've already operated like they can't. You know, Luke Fortner against Vita Vea. <laughs> That's a battle Jaguars just aren't going to win. So I personally believe that the Jaguars, you know, they're going to have to throw to win. They're going to have to throw to score. And I'm not sure they could do that with Bethard. I think they have a chance to do it with Lawrence against what's been a bad pass defense so far this year. Even with injuries throughout the offense, obviously with Kirk it'd be easier. Obviously with Zay Jones it'd be easier. But I think Lawrence does give them a chance to win. That you know, that's ultimately when I look at Tampa Bay as a defense. You know, I just you know Lawrence is the type of quarterback, especially who can beat them. Somebody who's extremely, you know, accurate most times, more often than not, going deep, you know, Sands last week. So I will be right back. You know, we talked, you know, enough about Lawrence. My official prediction is I think he plays. I think he starts. I will be right back after this break, and we will quickly go into the Jaguars' defense versus Baker Mayfield and Tampa Bay's offense. Now, on the flip side of the ball, you know, two, two. Number one overall picks going at it potentially at quarterback because you have Baker Mayfield on the other side. And Baker, you know, to, to this point in his career, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe Baker actually take out Ryan Tannehill from earlier. Baker Mayfield is probably the right, you know, pick for like most purely average quarterback I could probably think of. And that I mean, that's not a knock on Baker. You know, he's obviously made something of his career since the Browns uh, debacle and everything, you know, that came after that. Everything came with, obviously, Carolina. So, you know, he's you – know, Dave Canellis, their offense coordinator, deserves a lot of credit. You know, Baker, to this point, has had a, you know, year that I think you can call successful. So that, that's what brings, you know, the Jaguars' next challenge is Baker Mayfield. I think that you can't say it's Baker Mayfield. They can stop him because Baker, in my opinion, is a better quarterback than Jay Browning. He's – He's probably a better quarterback. It's it's such a stupid thing I have to say out loud. He's probably a better quarterback than Joe Flacco. And same sentence about a former number one overall pick. He's obviously nowhere near Lamar. But, you know, they, we've seen worse quarterbacks play well against this Jaguars defense, you know, during this losing streak. And you, we obviously saw the defense step up last week, uh, have a, I, I thought, a solid game, you know, for most – team standards against Lamar Jackson and a really good Ravens offense. Now you get Baker Mayfield. You know, they, like I said, their three-game winning streak, it's a bit, you know, fugazi. It's a it's a woody, it's a woozy, it's, it's you know, whatever. But you look at his game against, you know, the Packers, and he legit diced them up. He did. You know, <laughs> Joe Barry is seeing Baker Mayfield in his nightmares right now. Ba- Baker and his school guys legit had a, you know, fantastic game, you know, game plan, execution, everything like that against the Packers. You know, you saw it with the perfect passer rating, you know, 350-plus yards, all those touchdowns, all those points, and a big, decisive win. 
that's really put them in a position to potentially, you know, be a playoff team. And now they're in first place in their division. So I don't think you can ultimately discount Baker, but I do think like he's a guy who they're more likely, I think, to force into mistakes than, you know, some of the other quarterbacks they played this year, obviously. Lamar, CJ Stroud, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, etc. So when I see Baker, I see somebody who, like, oh no, he is, he kind of plays like Josh Allen, like the Bills quarterback, the other Josh Allen. He kind of plays like him to an extent, even though he doesn't have anywhere near the physical tools. So, you know, he'll, he, he'll, he's tough. You know, Mike Caldwell said that this week, you know, third down, he's trying to run over a linebacker. He's a tough guy. He plays hard. He'll run around and try to make a play, but the physical tools, I don't think, aren't completely there. So, that is where I think the Jaguars have their chance to really do something, you know, have their chance to create takeaways. We've seen, I'd say especially this last week, obviously, against the Ravens, but even before that, I thought the Bengals game was probably the biggest example of it. We've seen the Jaguars' run defense take a big step back, you know, over this last month or so. And I think this is a chance to get back to it. The Buccaneers' rushing offense, especially through – like this first like two and a half months of the season was just absolutely dreadful. You know, like the, like the Jaguars <laughs> rushing offense has been bad. Tampa Bay's, I argue, you know, more consistently has, you know, been worse. You know, it, it's obviously gotten better. I think in recent weeks, especially as their schedule has kind of gotten easier, but Ultimately, I, I think that, you know, this Tampa Bay team just isn't going to run the ball very well. They're 23rd in rushing EPA per play, 30th in rushing success rate, one spot, you know, behind the Jaguars in that regard. It, it's not, in my opinion, a good rushing team. So this is a team that I think the Jaguars can win on early downs. I think they can create second and long. I think they can create third and long, which is, I'd honestly say really in a sense, what they've missed over this last month. You know, they've they they just have not put a lot of teams into bad position. You know, Jake Browning had a lot third and short. You know, he 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 just did. You know, Joe Flacco didn't have, you know, other than maybe a little bit of running the first half, didn't have a lot of negative situations. The Ravens were able to run the ball late when they had an obvious running situation to kind of eat up the clock. So you haven't seen the Jaguars been able to really shut teams down on first and second down over this last month and forced them into, you know, third and medium, third and long. I think they can do that again this week, which, you know, <laughs> we saw earlier this year, they had legit flashes of a top eight, top 10 defense by doing exactly that, by dominating teams on first and second down. The Jaguars once upon a time this year were an elite run defense. It's certainly not anymore. You know, that's gone away, but when they were, they showed just how valuable, you know, that aspect of the defense can be forcing teams into making some of these mistakes because they need eight yards, nine yards to get a first down. We saw it, you know, in some of the sack production the Jaguars are getting. So I think that there's a chance that they can do that this week, you know, against a bad running game, against a quarterback who's going to run around and, <laughs> and try to be backyard Brett Favre, even though he doesn't 
have anywhere near the tools. So that's what I'm interested in seeing from the Jaguars' defense this week. Can they put Tampa Bay in disadvantageous situations? Because if they can, I think they have a chance, their first chance in a while, to be their defense from earlier in the season. Now, don't get me wrong. Tampa Bay has some excellent skill players. Mike Evans, one of the most consistent wide receivers of his generation. Uh, true number one, you know, he, he's an alpha male on the outside. He's been terrific year after year after year in the NFL. Chris Godwin, obviously still very talented. Rashard White, really good, you know, passing back. Cade uh, Auden, you know, he's a solid tight end. Guy I liked for the Jaguars when he came out. Overall, like this is a talented offense. You know, Tristan works, obviously a left tackle. That's gonna be, you know, like like a kaiju <laughs> battle, like you know, uh, Mothra versus Godzilla, him versus Josh Allen. Yeah, I, let's call Tristan Works Mothra in the, in this scenario. You know, I don't want to call Josh Allen Mothra. So, worse is Mothra, Josh Allen's Godzilla, or you know, whatever you guys want him to be. That's going to be a major battle, and that just shows you that Tampa does still have some blue chip players. They still have some like players who I think can hurt the Jaguars at various points in the game. You know, at various different levels of the field. Which, you know, I I wasn't sure that really the Browns had that, and the Browns showed that they did. And I think you know, even I think Baker's elevated a bit by. The scheme, obviously, with Canellas and by, you know, the skill players. But, I mean, he's, you know, call it what it is. Baker has not played bad football lately. So, I, I think it's a challenge for the Jaguars. I'm not sure that this is a game that you can expect a defense to just step in and roll. I think that there's going to be drives <laughs> where, you know, people are going to be frustrated. There's going to be drives where Tampa Bay makes plays. I'm not about to predict that Tampa Bay is going to score 10 points or something like that, but I do think that there will be opportunities for the Jaguars' defense to make plays again this week, which, you know, we, we've seen before. Sometimes that's all it takes. You know, the, the formula to winning with a quarterback who's not 100%, uh, you know, obviously, you know, is you know, get turnovers and run the ball. I'm not sure the Jaguars can run the ball. I probably should have guessed no. Because Tampa's like built just like Jacksonville. They're trying to stop the run. And they have arguably the run stopper in the NFL in Vita Vea. So, but get turnovers. I think it can happen this week. So we will see. I will be right back after this break to give you my official pick. The moment of truth. <laughs> it's a lot easier when I have Gus to kind of bounce, you know, <laughs> insults and bullyisms and takes off of. But the moment of truth. Game predictions. First, I want to you know fire off a couple takes. I think it's a Calvin Ridley two touchdown game. Don't <laughs> nobody at me when it's not. I I just feel like the Jaguars are going to try to force feed him the ball at least outside of the red zone, and I think Tampa Bay will make enough coverage bust that you know you see Ridley's find the end zone multiple times. I think the Jaguars rush for under 45 yards as a team. And I also think that Lawrence, you know, ultimately has 
a 60, let's call it 60% completion percentage, 210 yard, two touchdowns, both the Ridley kind of day. So those are my official takes, you know, my, my lock of the week. I'm going to go with Brandon McManus goes a hundred percent on his field goals. I, it, in for the record, if he only kicks once and that's made, I count that completely. I was right. You win lock of the week call today. However, <laughs> if I'm wrong, this pick is based strictly off fives. I don't think he can afford to miss many more kicks as the Jaguars kicker. I think he probably is very keen and aware on that. You can find two games in their three-game losing streak that kind of been partially defined by missed kicks. I think ultimately, you know, you see him at least in some way come back in the form. And it, I will say it was very Jaguars that I had so many people at me you know, that news is pointed out by, <laughs> I guess he wasn't an upgrade over Riley Patterson. Like you said, he was. Riley Patterson was let go <laughs> by the Lions earlier this week. Maybe he's resigned to the practice squad or some other kind of roster mulligan by now, but I, I'm still going to count that as a W despite the missed kicks. Don't care. That's a W. So moving on, game prediction. This one's tough. This is one of the toughest ones all year. For the record, I've picked the Jags in a lot of these. I didn't pick them last week. I said 30 to 10. That's what, 20 point difference? I was off by four, four points. You know, sue me. I picked them against the Browns. I picked them against the Bengals. I'm so tempted to just say I'm done picking them in any non Bryce Young starting <laughs> games, but. I think they get a big win on Christmas Eve, yada, yada. They know their backs are against the wall and that they need a win in the biggest way possible. I think Lawrence has a relatively clean game against a bad pass defense. And I think the defense gives up some plays, but also makes enough to keep Baker Mayfield, you know, at bay, you know, more or less. So my official prediction, I'm going to go Jaguars 23, Buccaneers 20. And I think the Jaguars win a one-possession game. Maybe it comes down to a late field goal, you know, a late stand, something like that. I, I think it'll be a full four-quarter game, not a game either team's walking away from. But Jaguars 23, Buccaneers 20. That's my official prediction. My official lock of the week, obviously, is to Mr. McManus. So I want to thank everybody for joining me. Obviously, solo episodes never uh, ideal. You know, it's always a bit – you know, touch and go, you know, here and there. But I want to thank everybody for joining me, having to listen to me, you know, preamble for 30 plus minutes. But we will be back on Monday. I might actually go back on that one. Monday's Christmas. Not sure I can get Gus to podcast with me on Christmas. Not sure Gus can get me to podcast with him on Christmas. So we will see to be determined. If not Monday, obviously, since it's Christmas, we'll be back on Tuesday to review Jaguars versus Buccaneers and where the Jaguars really can go in the playoffs and in the AFC South after that. So thank you guys, as always, for joining me. Episode 80 of the Jaguar Report. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Not me. But thank you for listening. Merry Christmas from the Jaguar Report podcast. I just want to say I'm extremely thankful for everybody who listens to this podcast each and every week. 
Uh, everybody who subscribes to us, everybody who reviews us, all of our fans, obviously on YouTube, who, you know, subscribing, commenting every week. I implore, you know, everybody, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to us on YouTube. Go ahead and leave us some comments, you know, get in the fun. But Merry Christmas to everybody. I'm extremely grateful for you. I know Gus, you know, would say the same if I didn't banish him after his Tank Bigsby overpick a few weeks ago. Nonetheless, Merry Christmas, and we will see you guys next week.